G'day, this is an abridged version of the episode that you can hear in full by signing up at uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash subscribe. Enjoy the freebie. Welcome to a special episode of We The People Live, a one-on-one conversation about creativity and comedy with the one and only Zach Kreger, comedian extraordinaire, star of stage and screen. You might know him from TBS's new comedy show, which surprisingly became the sort of breakout hit of cable comedies this year. It's called Wrecked. And I caught up with Zach down in Puerto Rico, where they were shooting Wrecked. Uh, but look, just listen. Enjoy, even if you don't know Zach, enjoy this conversation because I think it's it's an interesting insight into somebody who has a lot of fingers and a lot of pies and a lot of interesting thoughts about the nature of creativity and the nature of comedy. Enjoy. You are the people. I am the people. And this is We the People. Ah. All right, Zach Kreger, you threw your voice out? Why did you throw your voice out? Because we were doing a scene on Friday where I had to do this rousing speech, like like Braveheart style. like On a, on a tropical beach? On a beach, yeah. Tell us about Wrecked. And so my show's Wrecked, and it's, um, it's about a plane that goes down on a tropical island, and it follows the survivors. It's basically a comedy lost... Um, and it's, it's a really comedy version a of comedy the show version. Lost. It's yeah. not a comedy Lost. You're not saying like. It sounded like you were saying. I didn't understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's a, a, comedy it's a lost of comedy. Lost. Yeah, basically. Um, but I, I gotta say, like, I, I, it could be great. I mean, it depends. You never know. But it feels the scripts are amazing. These guys, the Shipley brothers, like these two 20, 25 year old brothers, are. Uh, their writing is just, it's just nuts. So I, I never laugh out loud when I read scripts, but every single episode I get, I laugh out loud. Pretty do they just line up the two of them or do they have a team? No, they have a team, but they're pretty, they, you know, their voice is pretty clear. Uh, and they definitely, their their thumbprint is on everything. So it's, right. it's pretty great. I love it. I, I read love. a thing comparing it to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, um, I suppose in in only as much as it like when it's when when Sunny came out, it was like very fresh and new, and you just hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah, and I I hope you know history will tell, but I hope Rex will be like that. It just it feels different than anything. I've Isn't ever. it great working on something where you actually love it? Oh, it's insane. In which you respect. It's insane. In which you want to be affiliated. It changes everything. Yeah. It I mean, remind us of the, a couple of, and this is, I'm not saying this to be a douchebag, but you've done a couple of shows that were critically not... Sure. Great. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I did Guys With Kids, which is a multi-camera NBC sitcom. That was, like, me, Anthony Anderson, and, and uh, Jesse Bradford. Um, and it was, look... I, it was it, funny. It, it, it was, was what it was. It was it funny, like, Two and a Half Men is funny, right? I, I, was... I hope it's better a little bit better than that. I <laughs> but I think that show is funny. It's funny. You think two and a half it's funny in the old, like dumb, like I'm just going to sit down and park my brain at the door and have yeah, some you stupid yuck yucks. Turn your brain off and just you know hear dick jokes. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The point is, you, you're pouring your heart and soul that, into this project, and yeah. then the final result is something that is not that people don't regard as being like something that's groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, and before before guys with kids, there were a couple other things like similar to that. You know, why just kids? I'm proud of, but yeah. that, that was a while ago, and and it feels wreck feels like something that I can be really proud. And of. why just kids was your thing. That's the right. difference. That like my relationship to this podcast and your relationship to the whitest kids is probably the same because it's your own thing and you can make it whatever it is that you want it to be and you don't have to feel embarrassed about it. And to the extent that you do feel embarrassed about it, it's all on you. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you oh, there's plenty right? about whitest kids I'm very embarrassed <laughs> of. I mean, oh, God. 
but that's different from it's so lovely when you go into something that is someone else's baby that's someone else's creative vision uh-huh. and it just so happens that they have a creative vision that's simpatico with yours yeah. and it is also something that's unusual and fresh and original yeah. and awesome and it's great and it makes it makes being here in Puerto Rico for a couple of months you know totally worth it like if I was down here shooting a show I didn't like this would just be the worst experience because Puerto Rico is not the most exciting place in the world I don't know I mean a lot of people will be listening to this thinking especially if they're listening in a cold part of the United States there are worse places to uh, there be There are definitely for two worse months. places. Oh, God. My girlfriend, you could be shooting in Des Moines. Yeah. My girlfriend did a movie in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, which is like, <laughs> dude, it was bleak. I mean, what was province bleak. is that even in? It's like an hour northeast it? of Niagara Falls. Or northwest wow. of Niagara okay. Falls, I think. Yep. I, I, I could be Probably wrong. Ontario. Who gives a shit where it is, dude? Maybe it's above Michigan. I don't know. But it was so boring. <laughs> I went to visit her and it was just so, so boring. So it's better than that. Yeah. But, there but it's funny, I was, I was hanging out with Brooke Dillman, who's another cast member, and we were looking around at all these happy vacationers wandering around drinking and everything. We're like, why are we so bored and all these people are paying so much money to come here? And I, I was like, no, if you took any of these people that are here for a week and said they have to be here for two months, they'd go crazy. Yeah, right. Like, you just would. Especially, if you, you know, you can't be, like, partying and drinking every night, like, because you have to work and have a 6.30 pickup. Well, is it because you're away from your friends and your partner and your, ha- and your home, or is it because of the place? Uh, it's both. It's both. I mean, look, if I was shooting this in New York, I wouldn't have this complaint. If I was shooting it in Chicago, it wouldn't bother me so much. But, you know, mm. San Juan is a very small town. I mean, you can do pretty much everything San Juan has to offer the first week. And yet, most people in the world, well, in America, like, live in towns, the population of San Juan, probably. Well, there's I mean, a lot I could say Chicago. about that and about the mindset. <laughs> this always I'm amazes a, me, I though. think I have maybe a psychopathic need for attention and... <laughs> and, and uh, and distraction. So I'm always amazed when I'm flying across the. I mean, it's the, really the only time I go to like the Midwest or the South, and I see. I mean, I don't want to sound like a, a douchebag, but I see towns of ten or twenty thousand people. I'm like, why the fuck is anyone staying here? Well, I think it's like incubation. You know, if you're born into that environment, and that's your that's your norm from from birth till. Till twenty one, why are you going to leave? At but that's you're, like, you're there. but you're assuming you that human beings are like veal cows or something. I am like, assuming are, that. That's exactly <laughs> correct. <laughs> you are just raised it. in a cage, yep. incapable of like thinking outside correct. of the little box that they were raised in. Yeah, that's and depressing, I I, Zach. <laughs> I never said. I never promised you a rose garden, Josh. <laughs> I mean, look, a lot of people, a lot of people have wonderful, fulfilling lives in those towns. And I I don't want to diminish anything, you know? I just... uh, No, you do. And we are. No, I I, I would be bored. I would be really bored. I got bored in Arlington, Virginia, which has a population of, I don't know, a million people, maybe? Well, and isn't it also essentially a suburb of D.C.? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about a metropolitan area of millions of people. Yeah. It's funny, man. I was reading The Psychopath Test, that John Ronson book. I love John Ronson. He's like the population distribution of psychopaths, you know, geographically. And he was saying there's more psychopaths per capita in places like London, New York, and L.A. than there are in, like, Surrey or, you know, Boise. Because psychopaths don't want to be in those places. They they think they deserve greatness and attention mm. and the best. And you're not going to get the best unless you go to London, New York, and Paris and shit like that. So, But you, do you mean, cl- like, classifiable... 
psychopaths who yeah. go around killing people, or do you mean people who are like well, CEOs of Wall Street companes who exhibit tendencies that would be correlated? To I mean psychopaths psychopath. that are CEOs of Wall Street, right? Companies. Like psychopaths right. that kill people is like not really what psychopaths are. I downloaded that book and I haven't read it yet, but it's on, my, it. it's on my Kindle or my Audible. Yeah, it, one of the first things you learn is that like we think of psychopaths as murderers, and that's just not that's not what it's like. Hmm. It's just someone that has you know a. a ticks a certain number of boxes on this list. In terms of not having empathy for other people? That's the big one, is not having empathy. Incapable of of understanding what it's like to be someone besides themselves. Yeah. But it comes down to a lot of different, really fascinating traits, like, you know, uh, megalomania, you know, pathological lying, sexual uh, acting out, um, you know, this... You know, not taking responsibility for any of your actions, you know. All of the traits that corporations are institutionally biased towards encouraging. And that's another thing he says is, is like, the higher you go up, like, in a company on on the ladder, the more likely you are to encounter psychopaths. He's like, CEOs... If you got together all the world's, like, you know, heads of, of you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying, CEOs, yeah, yeah. heads of state, it's like you'd probably have way more psychopaths proportionately in that group than you would just the average, you know, person on Earth. Right, but because what they, about creative people? What about, does it, do, does he talk about musicians and stuff? Because when you talk about psychopaths being attracted to major metropolitan centers, I think anyone with, anyone who's not the veal in the cage mm-hmm. is, right? Anyone who, who, who has a, an instinctive sense deep down that there's got to be something more, that they have to be able to make a mark that they're that you know there's they're not going to die in this little shitty town where they were, where they were born gets out of dodge and we, goes to those yeah, big but that cities. doesn't mean you're a psycho I mean, no that's right a, but it means aggressive you know aspirational you know ambitious person and and still have empathy for others you know yeah but i think as far as the creative thing goes i don't know he doesn't really get into that too much in his book but i can certainly think of a couple of creatives that i would consider most likely psychopathic. I bet Lou Reed was a psychopath. I right. Think that, uh, who else? I don't know. Perhaps. I don't know. Like great political leaders, like uh, Adolf Hitler, for example, might have been a might have might have not had it. Or I not don't been know all together, about Hitler to, to altogether in the top up, up upstairs. Yeah, I don't know. A Maybe. few a few uh, a few cows short of a paddock. Is that a saying? A paddock. I don't know. There's some Australian saying. He's a few. <laughs> he's a, he's a, oh no, no, he, you just no, got real you know, serious. You're like, no, oh, I'm, I'm like gazing off into the distance, thinking like, what? What is the saying? He's a. He's got a few kangaroos loose in the top paddock. I think that's the saying. You know what a paddock is? I don't. It's a, like a field. Okay, I, I thought that. A few kangaroos loose in the top paddock. Top top, top paddock. The one that's the one at the top of your head, the one in your brain. Your brain. Oh my god. Australia, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> We've got great sayings. Um, before I forget about John Ronson, Bill, ha- Bill Hader does the greatest John Ronson impression. Have you oh, heard Oh, yeah, I John heard him speak? do that on Stern where he was... He was <laughs> did he? Jonah Jonah <laughs> I thought he was doing... He did a, I had him on, and Judd Apatow on HuffPost Live when they were promoting Trainwreck. And <laughs> Judd, I was asking Judd Apatow what he was reading. I can't remember how books came up. And he mentioned John Ronson. And... Uh, and then Bill Hader starts going into this John Ronson, yeah, impersonation of exactly that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has that's the weirdest accent. I can't tell if that's John Ronson or if that's like where he's from. Like, he's incapable of pronouncing R, the letter R. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. La, la, la. Yeah, that's him. I went to I went round to see my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's a 
Well, John, guy, don't I, listen to this. I, uh, Turn this off, uh, not right now, if you're listening, no, and still not. come on the show. Oh, I'm sure he knows. It's nothing he hasn't heard. Before. No, that's right. Uh, it's a combination, obviously, of his accent <laughs> and also his his debilitating speech impediment. <laughs> but I, that's what I'm asking. Does he have a speech impediment? Or if well, you can't pronounce ours, everybody everyone can't pronounce ours. Um, so I wanted to talk ba- mainly about the creative process and about how you come up with shit because I know that you've just... Can we talk about uh, the the sh- the thing that you've just succeeded in doing? No. Not okay, yet. so there's, let's talk in vague terms about it, which is that you've got a project which is in a, in a good positive place and it's something that you came up with and have been able to make happen and we'll talk about it when it actually happens. But from the beginning to the end of that kind of process, are you able to kind of articulate where an idea comes from, how you then get it, mold it into a shape at which it's, it's presentable to other people and then recruit them into believing in it? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... This is tough. I'm not prepared to, to talk about it. I haven't really talked about this yet. Um, I don't know. I feel like it, there's always a little, like, 5% of my mental hard drive, you know, if I'm awake, is just kind of, like, just at least tuned in to see if things I encounter in my day-to-day could somehow translate into a story. Does that make sense? That makes yeah. sense. So, and that story could either be a sketch, it could be a stand-up bit, it could be, bit, it could be a yeah. premise for an improv yeah. sketch. It it's just kind of movie. always like awake and running at the lowest possible capacity at some, somewhere in my, in my mind. Is that the same RAM as the one that's looking to make a joke right at any given moment? No, that one takes up a lot more okay. space. I feel like if you know if you're in a conversation where you feel the need to like be on and be funny, like I feel, I feel like, like that's I have always... two brains. I have one that's like responding, and one that is like shooting down different roads of like, could this be funny? Is this a funny place to go? Is this a funny place to go? It's an annoying. It, you know, sometimes it misfires and I look like an asshole. But, <laughs> well, uh, so do all of us who right, have that exactly. brain, Everybody. where we're just constant. Like, I just have a constant little program. I don't think it takes up a lot of my brain space, but it's always just running back, like yeah. behind my ears, of like, is there a potential for a joke here? Is there yeah, of course. I think most people, most here? people probably have that. I think, or you know, when you're well, on, it turns awesome. on in certain situations, and it, it's. I don't think most people do. I think most people aren't funny. <laughs> like they're just not. But most people who you surround yourself with probably. Maybe I don't know. But I don't know, man. It was weird. I remember exactly. I was like in my bedroom. I was I was hooking a cable into the back of my TV, and I was thinking. I literally I remember thinking like, what would be a good idea for a TV show? What would be a good idea for a show? And I was just thinking, what are weird jobs people have? And then I just thought of like, oh, like some people uh, are. The show is about drug dealers. And I was like, some people are drug dealers. Like, how can you? Well, how can a drug dealer be like accessible to everyone? Like, how can an average person become like a a really crazy drug, you know, Breaking Bad did it perfectly and all that. And then, like, it just kind of popped. And it, like, I feel really dumb talking about this right now because I, because uh, I can't really talk about the idea. So I'm just kind of being vague and masturbatory. But basically, uh, I don't know. It just kind of came. I was like plugging my TV in, and the idea hasn't really changed since since mm. that moment. I called my buddy uh, Moshe and. Uh, asked if he liked it and he did and he had a similar idea um and so we just got together and we're like let's do this together and we just kind of so what's next you open a laptop and go all right so who's the main character like where is he and yeah we just got do? in a room we'd hike and just kind of talk through like well we need this character and then we need this character yeah. and then it, you know you have a good idea when it's easy those characters just kind of just come like your mouth can barely keep up with your brain and right. it just flows and then and, you know, I think after one hike, we had all the characters that we still are using. And, 
and now it's in a good spot and we have it at it's, home and it's you know, it's nice also for it to be in a format to like to have a structured format that you know has constraints that you need to obey probably in other words this is going to be a 30 minute um, television product right right mm-hmm. and that has certain things that come that has certain baggage that comes with it so yeah. you need a certain ensemble yeah you know roughly how many um, episodes are going to be commissioned in a in a season right one of the difficult things for someone who produces television from scratch or who produces anything from scratch is figuring out exactly what the format itself is. So, like, I have friends who will be VPs of development at production companies, and their job is to... Th- and this is something that I'm... Stri- the reason why this is forefront of my mind is because it's something that I'm grappling with as something like my podcast evolves, right? Mm-hmm. What even is it? Like, we spent the whole first season going, what is We The People live? Right. Like, we don't even... It's not like I, I can just say, okay, here's the lead character, here is the, the other ensemble characters, here's the B-plot and here's the A-plot. Yeah. It's like, we have to start from scratch with a completely raised earth and go, like, okay, what is what would this thing be? Yeah, turn that fucking Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, uh, so well, it's I interesting. If, yeah. the, the point you're making... It's it's interesting because yeah you have no rules there's no shape there's no constraints no limits and I feel like that kind of does a disservice in a weird way it's like, yes constraints because creativity provide... blossoms when it's constrained yes you know, one of the problems with whitest kids is that there was just zero rules and especially when we were on IFC there was like no censorship we could do whatever we wanted and there was no there was literally no mandate it didn't it, you know it was a sketch comedy show it didn't have to be about anything it didn't have to have any we just all we had to do was fill the time, and that kind of, at a certain point, kind of led to paralysis in a weird way. Whereas I feel like I watch these guys writing Wrecked, the show I'm doing right now, and just it's got to be about these people on this island. They can't leave. There's a ton of constraints there, and because there's all of these limitations, they get to go crazy and kind of buck the rules. Like you have to have rules in order to break them, and uh, and it's so great. And I'm finding writing this new show that I'm working on. Um, just a similar kind of joy in that, like, okay, it has to be about this. I have these limitations. It has to be about these people. It's more of like a math equation that's begging to be solved, and it lets my mind just go crazy because it can actually feed on something.